What's up, guys? Welcome back. We're on segment two with Dr. Pat, Dr. Zante, and a new guest, Dr. Clarity. Thank you guys for joining us. Hope you're all doing well and staying safe. We're going to continue where we left off on the last episode, which was talking about why and how they went into their private practice endeavors. And guys, tell us a little bit about what started it, how you started it, and what brought out the idea and how it's been going so far. Since Dr. Clardy hasn't participated yet, I'll let him get this started. Okay. <laughs> uh, so um, when Mark, um, uh, Dr. Rosante and I started to uh, talk a little bit more um, about private practice once he was, um, uh, he and Dr. Pratt started to talk about coming back to Cleveland area. Um, and I was leaving an old job and uh, looking to, to start a new practice um, of my own. So uh, we kind of have been talking about doing this for quite some time, um, but the times weren't right and the situations weren't. We were kind of on opposite sides of the United States. So um, probably um, about 2017, 18, we started talking about um, kind of coming together and, and doing what we've planned on talking about uh, doing for quite some time. Um, and then uh, once they moved back to the Cleveland area, um, we um, were fortunate enough to uh, be connected with uh, one of the local podiatrists who uh, was interested in kind of scaling down his um, uh, three or three to you know, two or three office, I guess two and a half um, office practices uh, down a little bit. So um, he was interested in uh, selling um, his Parma location. Um, which is what we uh, kind of decided that's what we were going to start with and, and kind of build from there. Um, the way we did it was we moved into uh, his old uh, practice um, and we had a, a, a good six months transition uh, period where uh, we kept that doctor around for a little bit, um, kind of introduce the new patients and old patients, a lot of referrals. Uh, to Dr. Rosante and I um, uh, for the first, you know, like I said, six months. And then we um, kind of turned that uh, kind of a primary care uh, office into both primary care and surgical and then uh, started to grow from there. Um, so that's kind of where, that's where our roots are uh, for, the, for the private practice setting. Um, although our, our roots went back Quite some time before that, uh, that's where you know when they started to discuss moving back to Cleveland. That's kind of um, when the uh, CLE specialists or the low extremity specialists. That's when that became um, a vision, and then uh, we kind of grew from there. That's awesome. So, Dr. Rosante, how about you share your perspective and your background into how you got into it as well? I know you and Dr. Clarity were friends from a while back, but what got you in? What inspired you to get into the private practice setting as well? Uh, for me, it was very different than obviously teaching out in California. Uh, it gave us an opportunity to, you know, have a job with a friend um, and try something different in life because you train for so many years to treat patients and, and we still do that obviously, but once you decide to have your own business, it's a whole different game. Uh, it adds a second full-time job on besides treating patients and doing charting and everything. Um, we were very fortunate to have a mentor in Dr. Berkowitz to teach us the ropes. You know, he taught at the Ohio uh, College of Pediatric Medicine for, I think it was over 20 or 30 years and managed his private practice on the side. So he saw the same kind of thing in us and wanted to help us uh, get going. And it's, it's nearly impossible to do unless you have somebody to help get you going because you don't know anything besides treating patients. You know, if people yeah. are fortunate enough to have maybe an MBA or a business background, then it's a different story. But for all of us who just know how to treat a patient, it's, it's very different. So having a mentor like that was very helpful. And we also, you may want to start your own business and buy a practice and, do, you know, make it your own, which is important, but by us keeping the same location uh, that he had for 
couple decades uh, to win over the patients and to keep them coming back to the same place. It helped with the comfort of the transition on their end um, instead of just quickly switching everything up. So it's nice to just do a little transition until now we're in a new location, uh, shopping center, and did a big build out there and designed it to our liking. But it was a couple of years after we had established ourselves with the patients. So Yeah, definitely. It's helpful. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm sure any endeavor like that in, in the initial stages is always tough and always difficult and always uh, obstacles and challenges that come your way. But I think that a lot of times when you work with a friend, a close friend of yours, that it, it makes a big difference because you're working together, pushing each other, like you mentioned, and encouraging each other to be better than you are and better than where you started. And tell us a little bit about uh, your branch at Fairview. I know you guys initially started at Parma, right? And then you recently opened up the branch in Fairview. We did, yes. Uh, I guess it kind of goes along the same thing that we were talking about, myself and Dr. Pratt, with the theme in the first session about um, pushing yourselves and not not just wanting to settle for anything. Um, we have a, a great location in Parma, and we're pretty busy there. Um, but with COVID, you know, an opportunity came where there was a practitioner who no longer wanted to practice and felt that was a good time to retire. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, you know, it wasn't anything we were actively looking for, but we took the opportunity at that time to advance our practice to the next level and add a second location. And, you know, a few months before that, uh, Dr. Pratt started working with us there. And then just a couple of weeks ago, we hired a fourth doctor, uh, conveniently also from California. Um, but it was just a great opportunity to expand when we weren't necessarily looking for it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just the thing is you could continue to just be complacent and, you know, we would have been comfortable in Parma and kept growing that, but taking the risk sometime is, is a good idea to keep advancing yourselves forward. And I think sometimes you make the best, uh, you make the best opportunities, the best decisions, um, when you just say yes to those opportunities, when you don't necessarily have to. So when you're not pushed in a corner or forced to make a decision one way or another, um, when you're really kind of in a place where you're just good. Uh, I mean, there was nothing wrong with continuing the office in Parma alone um, going forward uh, between the three of us, not adding another location, not adding another doctor. I mean, we were good. Uh, But when opportunities like that come up, when you could be just that much better, um, saying yes to those at that time, I think is really when you can make some good moves. So, I mean, yeah, going back to that, it's all about trying not to stay complacent and you just always being available to say yes. Yeah. What I think is helpful too, and, um, I'm sure Dr. Clarity can attest for this is all three of us who are practicing there, myself, Dr. Pratt, Dr. Clarity are, all have our own full-time jobs besides the private practice too. Mm-hmm. Um, but at least we're all in the same age with we were all it wasn't really a, a fight to decide to take on another location because we all have that same mentality and it can be a challenge if you're sharing a private practice with somebody else to to share the same vision going forward and the open line of communication and the, and the friendship we have established before podiatry has helped keep us all on the same page because the more players you add to this the more complicated it can get yeah definitely i think that when you have the same mindset, same perspective, same uh, goals in mind, I think that makes a big difference into the foundation that you lay and, and, and where the future can take you. So maybe Dr. Clarity can speak on that and tell us a little bit about his perspective and, and how he thought and maybe uh, enlighten us a little bit about why he got into practice with you, Dr. Rizante, and uh, how it's been beneficial for him, how it's been helpful for him, and how it's been uh, a difference maker for him as well, too. So, Those Dr. are all Clark. obvious answers. <laughs> they, they are definitely obvious answers. Yeah. So um, going on the vision stuff, I think it's it's great to have a very similar mindset on uh, where the you know practice and, and business portions are going, um, but also you know, having a big piece of the pie and everyone contributing to that, that big piece, you know, um, uh, I, I, I compare that Dr. Asante is the Microsoft Excel and, and I'm more of a Microsoft PowerPoint, uh, kind of a person, but, you know, together, um, and Dr. Pratt is, is the, uh, Microsoft word. 
<laughs> uh, just, you know, all, all the, all the pieces fall into place, um, for the business to grow and the vision to grow. Um, and I think, you know, our, we, we have multiple, uh, get togethers where we, we talk about what we want to do next. And, um, you know, the Fairview office is a, a great example of an opportunity that came to get essentially delivered to our doorstep. Um, and it didn't really take too much of a deliberation to figure out what we were going to do with it. And, um, and, you know, all of us knowing that expanding to that side of town and, and expanding our practice, uh, in that direction, um, uh, was beneficial to, to all, all pieces of the puzzle or, or piece of the pie. Um, and I think also it's, it's good when you get into a private practice, um, not only to be, you know, able to get along with business wise and professional wise, but also personally with your partners and, and your associates. Um, but also, you know, the way that we have constructed our practice is very much a, a non-competitive nature, mm-hmm. um, which I think is something that is, is lacking in a lot of, um, professions, including our own, um, and Dr. Zante, Dr. Pratt, myself, um, and our, uh, associates, you know, there's, there's not a, uh, competition amongst all of us. And I think that's very important. I think that's, that's what has made our practice grow within the past few years, um, is that, you know, I have my niche, um, Dr. Zante has his niche, Dr. Pratt, her niche. And, you know, obviously there's overlap because we all have, um, training and competency and everything, um, that we do. Um, but we all have things we love to do and enjoy doing, uh, more than others. I can tell you right now that Dr. Rosante and Dr. Pratt's willingness to do stuff in the office far surpasses my, uh, willingness and ability to do stuff in the office. Yeah. Um, most of mine include about four liters of blood loss. So that's definitely <laughs> not a in office kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, our goal when we, we set this up and, and you know, kind of looked at each other uh, with our specialties is that everything that walks through the door uh, that is something that we can treat and something we do treat, um, that one of us, if not collaboratively, all of us uh, can treat those patients. And I think that is what has um, led to a lot of success for us. Um, thus far, as far as, you know, um, not having to turn people away or, or not being able to wholly treat or completely treat patients. There's plenty of patients who, if you look at their chart, you know, not just one of us has treated and that's, you know, obviously they come in with one problem and and six unfold, Mm -hmm. um, and we're able to work collaboratively together, um, to treat the patient as a whole. And you know, that, that's what keeps them coming back. And that's what keeps the referrals coming. I think we get plenty of referrals from our advertising and, um, uh, you know, just our location and all that stuff. But I think the patient referrals have been a huge part of our practice. Um, and you know, these patients knowing what we can treat and, 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 you know, getting along with, with all of us, um, we've grown the practice because of these referrals. And I think that's been a big part of, you know, we don't send them away for, uh, this, that, the other thing, you know, we're able to treat them and, um, give them good impressions about, you know, us as a, as a group, you know, um, and most patients because of that don't mind seeing, uh, Dr. Zante, Dr. Pratt, um, if I'm out or I'm in surgery, because uh, they trust all of us as a group, uh, which I think is really important that, you know, the quote unquote, the CLE, CLE specialists, mm-hmm. when you see us, you see, you know, people of like mindset and, and they understand um, what each other does um, and can, you know, help out when needed. And, you know, there's very rarely a patient comes to the office and, you know, can't be taken care of by, by one of us. Yeah, yeah definitely. I think that I think the parent, patients especially have to have trust in who they're going to as 
positions and that it's it's really nice to see that you guys work together not only uh you know as friends but also uh work together in the sense that you all have your own specialties all have something that you might cater to to be able to help the patient with and that each one of you can see each other's patients and i think that goes a long way into really explaining what your practice and what you guys have built and how that really makes an impact on a patient that comes into your practice and anyone that walks in that could be someone that's uh, as young as you know four years old as old as 89 and uh, and you guys can make a difference for them and you can make a change in their life and impact their life in ways that you know they might not have known before they walked in so tell us a little bit about how your guys's week looks like and and, and what you guys do in a week and i know uh, uh, uh any of you guys can speak on this dr clarity dr Rosante, dr pat talk to us and tell us a little bit about what your week looks like and what it entails and and what you guys have in store each week or if it changes or if you guys have a set schedule and things like that i think we're all pretty consistent in the fact that our schedules are very inconsistent <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> You know, when we each have a full-time job and then running a private practice, even just as a practitioner is a lot. And then having to run a, a small business on top of that is there's never really a downtime. Uh, you just have to continue to find time to get everything done. I mean, it unfortunately involves nights and weekends and longer days to get everything done. Um, but we hope that we've accepted the fact that this is like a, a time in our lives where you're trying to be as busy as you can. So that way you can, you know, reap the benefits later on in life. Mm -hmm. uh, but even on a normal day, you have the staff from one location or patients from one location don't know that you're not at that location and need to be contacting you and, and taking care of things. And you're constantly getting messages throughout the day from patients or from staff or from students on your end, which is why sometimes it takes a little while to get back on emails. Um, it's always funny when, when, you know, you get the student that asks you, they're like, well, Dr. Pratt, what do you do all day? And you're not, yeah. you're only here lecturing once a week for two hours. What else do you, what do you do all day? Yeah. Only if they knew the schedule, right? What's that? Only if they knew what the schedule looked like. Right. Yeah. It's, you know, it's something that was really hard for me to adjust to. Actually, I'm someone who really thrives on a schedule, a plan and rigidity in my schedule. And I like that. Um, I really had to learn once I, once I kind of got into this profession, even going back to being a resident, uh, there's only so much planning of your day you can do because when it involves patient care, it's just inherently variable. And, uh, you know, you, you think you've got your day planned out where patient number one is at 8.30 and patient number, you know, 31 is at 4.30. Mm -hmm. um, but then, you know, patient number 18 in the middle comes in with this blown up infected foot and all of a sudden you're changing your evening and you're adding on a case or you get a phone call from the hospital and you've got two consults that need to be seen. And I think that that's one of the, the hardest adjustments that I've had to make in my own life is that I can only plan my days so much. I can only plan the tasks that I need to cross off the list to such a degree because you've got to leave that room for variability because you just never know what patient is going to walk through your front door and how much paperwork is going to follow that, how much inpatient, outpatient care is going to follow that. Um, so I think, you know, for me, most of my days are split up, like all three of us, um, into half days, uh, where in the morning I'm at one location running a clinic and then I might have office hours in the afternoon, uh, which is more and more rare. Um, or you have surgery time. So you have certain days blocked off for surgery and those days change all the time, depending on hospital availability and your schedule. Um, so with all three of us having two full-time jobs, uh, you know, Rosanti and myself work at two clinics just for Kent mm -hmm. um, and now two private practice locations. So for the two of us, that's four clinic locations that we work at during the week. And then you add in ORs. Um, and then when you're on staff at four to five hospitals, like we are, you're constantly bouncing around from one facility to the next, um, about every half day. Yeah. So, I mean, you kind of end up starting to look at your week as 10 shifts 
and <laughs> each of those 10 shifts might take you to a different place just given the day given the week yeah definitely how about you dr clarity my schedule has probably changed about 19 times since uh, we started <laughs> uh, with CLE. Um, I think uh, when I first started off, I was at four hospitals, uh, clinics at the, the VA, um, obviously CLE. I started uh, part-time uh, back then at Bellevue um, and just kind of hopping around everywhere um, after spending uh, more of my income on gas than anything else. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I've kind of honed down my, uh, my schedule quite a bit, which is uh, pretty comfortable now. Um, so my Mondays are out in Bellevue or I have, I run a wound care center. Uh, my Tuesdays are my OR days out in Bellevue, which, you know, has been strategically done because most of the wound patients, um, get added on for the next day, um, because of infections or debridements that are needed, uh, skin grafts, et cetera. Um, so my, my Tuesdays are, are spent usually, uh, seven in the morning. We start our, uh, fellowships, uh, uh, the rounds in the morning, or we do academic rounds, um, at seven. And then I start, uh, operating from anywhere between, uh, eight, to three to eight to eight to 8 PM. Um, and then Wednesdays are my, my jam packed, uh, Parma days, which, um, Today was one of those jam-packed days, mm -hmm. uh, which is a lot of fun, yeah. honestly. When you have a, you know, uh, most of my clinic is surgically based, so it's a lot of uh, pre-ops and post-ops. Um, you know, I have four post-op patients sitting in the waiting room with external fixators and <laughs> wheelchairs and whatever else. Uh, yeah. I feel like it's a line out the door like Chipotle <laughs> um, sometimes. Um, meanwhile, doing a, a consult and, you know, having the patient, you know, showing them an external fixator of this is what you now are going to have, which is kind of what today was, um, a couple of those patients, uh, referrals today. And then, um, Thursdays, uh, I, I go out to Bellevue, um, again, uh, it's either a surgery day if we're overflow, uh, or our regular post-op clinic. Um, and then Fridays I've dedicated to, uh, uh, Parma surgery. So, um, which, you know, can vary between two cases to, to six. Uh, so it's nice. I mean, it's nice to know where I am every day now. Yeah. Um, and I don't, you know, start one day somewhere and somewhere the next, which is how I started off, uh, which is kind of something you have to do when you first start off, you go to, I always say, I, I go to where the work is. Um, and then eventually you get to the point where, you know, I can, I can kind of dictate where I'm going to be and, and how much time I have to dedicate to every place, uh, in order to see all the patients operate on, on all the patients, um, and then see them, uh, pre and post operatively. Um, and that's the fun part too, you know, uh, some Fridays I work until 8 PM and operating and some Fridays I'm done in time for, uh, uh, a nice, you know, lunch and happy hour kind of thing. So, um, <laughs> yeah. it's a, it's a balance. Um, I think that when you first start off is definitely something you feel out of control with and you can't really control, um, where you are. Um, definitely. but that's kind of where, uh, my schedule is now kind of a set crazy schedule. Yeah. No, I mean, I think the unanimous thing that I've heard from, Dr. Pratt, Dr. Zante, and you, Dr. Clarity, is that it's a crazy schedule, it's a busy schedule, but it's something that you all enjoy doing, I believe. Absolutely. I think, yeah. yeah, I think that's fair to say. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, and, and I think that's good, because as long as you're uh, willing to do it, you enjoy doing it, I think that, you know, uh, sky's the limit for the uh, clinics that you guys are part of and the work that you guys do. So one question that I wanted to ask, uh, and any of you guys can answer this is you guys work a lot with uh, students. I know Dr. Rizante, Dr. Clarity, you guys take students um, on surgery rotations and even during our midtown months and things like that. And Dr. Pratt, you come across all of us during um, third year and fourth year. So tell us a little bit about how it is working with students and how that dynamic is. I know that a lot of times that we, sh we as students, uh, we walk in with deer and headlights and we don't know what's going on. 
and you kind of guide us, you kind of lead us, and just like all the other attendings that are at our school. But tell us a little bit about how that experience is like for you guys and, and what you guys have learned from that. Um, it could be amazing and it could be horrible, <laughs> depending on, I'll just be frank, depending on the student. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, but it that has nothing to do, in my opinion, and no relation to how many questions you get right if I ask you a question. It has everything to do with, can I see that you, you have the desire or the want to learn? Um, because it's so exciting uh, for me, and I think for all three of us, it's so exciting to have the opportunity to give you what someone gave us yeah. when we know that you want to take it. Um, but when we, when we oftentimes get into situations where, you know, with a student every so often, you feel like you're sort of forcing this information on them that they could care less about and that they're not really interested in, um, that gets hard sometimes because we've all got our own stuff going on and we've all got plenty of paperwork to keep us busy from now until the end of the year. Yeah. Um, but you kind of put all of that stuff on pause to give your attention, um, and give your time, which you know, we all learn at some point in our lives that time is the most valuable thing that we have to offer, um, you know, and you give that to someone who very clearly doesn't want it. And that becomes really frustrating when you come home some days and you say, well, why do I even do this? Why do I teach? I could just be in private practice all the time, making a heck of a lot more money, yeah. um, you know, and with less headaches, with less risk to my own patients. Mm -hmm. um, but then, you know, for, for the majority of it, I think you you spend time with students and you watch those little aha moments where things click um, or when you see someone get so excited about throwing their first suture, yeah. scrubbing into their first case, and you realize that you are so fortunate to be a part of those kind of really cool moments mm -hmm. that it just makes you want to give more. Um, and I mean, all three of us are in the place that we're in right now. I mean, still obviously in, in the beginnings of our own careers, but we're right here right now because somebody gave us a heck of a lot yeah. and you know, it's not very fair to just hold on to it and not try to give that away or keep that going. Um, and I mean, you're doing that right now with this podcast yeah. and we all do it in different ways. Um, it just so happens that with the three of us, it's in, in a more formal academic setting. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's, you know, same type of a thing. Um, I think that overall working with students is in general, amazing. Um, bad apples every now and then when it just gets you, gets you a little bit frustrated. Um, but it definitely also keeps you on your toes. I mean, if you want to talk about putting yourself in a situation where you're never allowed to become complacent, um, there's always going to be a student who calls you out all the time. Yeah. Um, it really makes you feel like you have to consistently stay on top of your own game. Um, because if you're not, you're also doing a disservice to those students because they're looking to you um, to help and to teach. Um, and you know, that's completely our responsibility to be that for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's our, our job, you know, but it's also something that we enjoy doing because kind of like you're doing with these podcasts, you know, our goal is to make the profession better. And by having students around all the time, I, we want those students to be better than we are and to learn more and know more and treat patients better. And we're not doing a service to the profession if we're not. I think some of the most frustrating things for my, for me are you get, you know, when students come through, we love having everybody come through and, but you have to, there's no necessarily time for a, an orientation on a new practice or a new clinic. When you guys go through a different month and you're somewhere else or a different week, it's hard on your end to not know what to do. And then if you come into one of our locations and if we're cramming a week's worth of patients into each one of us have one day of clinic, you know, you may be walking to a clinic and there's 25 patients in a half shift and there just isn't the time to give a proper orientation. It's kind of just, all right, let's go. Just keep following us around. And we want to teach, uh, but we're also there to treat patients. So it's a, it's a very tough thing to balance, taking a lot of time to go over everything. Um, so we just try to do it in little snippets here and there, which may be better for attention span. Because yeah. I know you don't want to get, you know, <laughs> just many lectures throughout the day. So maybe yeah. it's a good thing. Yeah, no. I think a big part of uh, student education, at least for um, you know us, Dr. Uh, Pratt, Rosante, and myself, um, has really uh, grown within the past uh, year or two, um, especially with you know trying to get more involvement with students and um, students uh, 
you know, involved in our clinics and things like that, which is why we um, developed the CMC Foundation um, and then our, you know, our program called Steps, which um, hopefully you guys um, have heard about or, or looked up on, on our social media. Um, but what we kind of formulated was a, a program where we um, connected the students abroad, um, especially with our um, involvement going over to uh, London, England, um, and kind of uh, bringing last year, we brought our first group of students uh, over to London, um, fourth year students who are able to um, participate in a conference over abroad um, and kind of, you know, connect with and communicate with uh, students who are over there, um, comparing the two educations and, you know, steps of uh, training through the podiatric programs, which are very different in, in both countries. Um, and then unfortunately, because of COVID, we had to uh, nix our our, um, our program this year uh, because that conference was obviously canceled. Um, but um, that's kind of a, a big part of, you know, what we our, our goals were um, kind of as a subset of, of CLE specialists. We, we really wanted to push the education um, a little bit further and and try to bring more educational opportunities to the students um you know from from kent currently and and hopefully you know more than that uh moving forward so you know our our foundation is kind of based upon you know education of students and and that's that's how we um uh, created all the labs and stuff through covid and you know all our uh, YouTube videos and, and Facebook lives. Uh, we really just wanted to to bring the students the education that they were not getting because of, of the shutdowns and because of the, the lack of um, uh, opportunities that obviously were out there because uh, all hands were tied. Um, but because you know we work together every day um, anyway in, in clinic, um, so we figured you know we would try to bring as much education and as much um, you know the uh, cadaver labs and and our uh, bi-weekly um, teaching sessions and stuff just to try to keep everyone you know involved and um, continue learning even though we you know couldn't do too too much um, and I think that kind of reflects all of our opinions about education is you know it, it it's it's about the future and all the people who are going through school now or are people that hopefully one day will replace us as, you know, educators, um, as um, surgeons, as as uh, physicians. Um, and in order to fill roles that are, you know, currently filled, uh, we need to teach everybody as much as we can. And um, I think that's, that's where our CMC, CMC Foundation kind of spawned from is you know we we really wanted to um bring as much education to the i i, I sound like an old man saying this but to, to the younger generations who are coming up through school yeah. and then through residency you know we hope that you know people will emulate that and and try to mirror that that teaching mentality of you know this is how we grow our profession this is how we grow, you know, the younger generations by, you know, creating uh, opportunities um, for education's, you know, sake. Because, you know, if we if we keep teaching the old stuff and and nothing new, then you know, obviously they don't grow and the profession doesn't grow. Um, so, you know, that's why with steps we try to get as many different people involved. And, um, you know, trying to bring in uh, different physicians to give their opinions about stuff. Um, I think that's that's where we try to, um, you know, grow the student education even further, um, which is obviously uh, extremely important um, while you're going through and, and preparing for externships. You know, when you go into residency, obviously, you know, you're going to see uh, multiple different ways to do surgeries. Um, and we kind of hope that you take one or two things that you learned from us in our clinics or our ORs or our, you know, in office procedures, 
um, or our lectures and, and, you know, take that and either, you know, adopt it as your own uh, or, you know, modify it for yourself. Um, I always say that, you know, through residency, through school and through residency, like what I am now is a uh, weird mixture of probably like 14 different physicians who trained me mm-hmm. and who taught me. And I think, you know, I think that's where Dr. Rosante Pratt and I kind of um, all agree and, and all have that, you know, if we can give some part of what those future doctors, the student doctors now and, and in residencies um, as they go through it, you know, if they take one or two things that, that make their, you know, mesh of different uh, techniques and different ideas and different ideals um, to become a better doctor, then, you know, that's, that's all we really are trying to do is, is, you know, help that progression of the profession. Yeah, definitely. And I think that during the time that a lot of us as students were uh, at home and uh, programs had canceled and we were in quarantine, those uh, Facebook lives and those uh, online distance learning that you guys did for us was very beneficial. And I think that helped us a lot and fill that gap that we needed during the time that we weren't able to get that clinical experience or clinical exposure that we needed during that fourth year. And I'm sure that whoever joined it, whether they were fourth years or anyone else uh, benefited from it because that helped them understand what it is like when you go out um, into clinics, into uh, ORs and things like that. You guys were able to simulate those type of things. So it's very uh, appreciative from our end to you guys for what you guys did. And a lot of others that have uh, provided for us uh, during these times, especially with this pandemic going on. So I hope that's something that continues because like you said, it's something that lays a foundation for the future generations and lays a foundation for us as students that are kind of picking up the baton and taking it up from you guys and learning from you guys and being taught by you guys and everyone else that's around that really uh, helps us uh, put everything into perspective, help us, helps us to understand uh, what the field is like when we step out of uh, school. And I don't think we always truly understand what the field will look like when we step up, but um, you, Dr. Rosante, Dr. Pat, and many other attendings really do help us doing that. So I, I, and I'm glad that you guys have built this uh, CMC, the STEPS Foundation, to be able to help students. And I know you mentioned that it's also something that is abroad as well. So tell us a little bit about why you got into that, why you wanted to reach uh, students and, and people abroad as well. What, where did that inspiration come from? Well, it was something that um, we all know we need to advance the profession. And I think that it was a good idea. We uh, wanted to just see how other people do it. We've seen a couple different schools in the United States. Um, we think it's a good idea to look uh, beyond just what's here um, for training for other students. But also, I think the first round of students for us that went had a great eye-opening experience. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a great opportunity. Uh, you know, Chandler and Brandon had a full day of a cadaver lab for just the two of them and different instructors all day. And, you know, by us creating the foundation, it just allowed us to give this access to uh, treating, you know, all students with the same fairness and not having to jump through a lot of loopholes of, of larger organizations and, you know, give students unique opportunities. And I think that's part of our goal. And um, during COVID, it was a lot easier with this just to start doing education, um, you know, keep teaching right away um, and try and provide just, you know, a change in, in academic experiences for students, because it is hard as a student to have the same type of education constantly and different exposures can definitely open up your mind and just kind of as we had talked about earlier, the attention span, you know, when yeah. it's something new, you're at least going to have maybe a little bit longer attention span initially. Um, but just the same thing is just keeping opportunities open um, has always been our, our idea. Definitely. Nice. Yeah, and I guess as, as, you know, as altruistic as we, we want this to be, um, you know, part of it was just selfishness on our own part of us just wanting to learn 
um, from different people and us just wanting to see a different perspective on our profession. Um, you, you can kind of fall down a rabbit hole sometimes. I think of, you know, within the profession in the States here, listening to the same people give the same lectures over and over. And uh, I think we had started to see that more and more. And uh, we just wanted to know more. We just wanted a different perspective. So getting to be a part of uh, the Faculty of Podiatric Surgery Conference in the UK um, it really kind of did that for us. And so as much as that then transitioned into student opportunities and wanting students to be able to be a part of this too, um, it kind of started out with us just really wanting to get a different perspective. Yeah, definitely. I think that um, coming from a different country, I was born in India and uh, hearing the stories and perspectives of uh, patients and individuals and family members that are overseas uh, all around the country, all around the world too, kind of uh, helps you realize that it's not just, uh, you know, in the U.S. It's something that we need to expand our borders. We need to be able to spread the word about what the field entails and what it is like in other countries as well, too. So I think it's really cool and very awesome that you guys are doing something like that and providing students with that opportunity to do that. And I think it kind of goes back to what you guys are talking about earlier, how you guys took on those opportunities, everything that opened up to you, you said yes to, and you guys being able to give that back to students is really a very, uh, it comes full circle and being able to uh, allow students to do that uh, goes a long way into helping them and helping me as a student, helping other students as well to really uh, be able to lay that foundation early and really understand variety and perspective of uh, in, in this field that we work in. And Last but not least, one question that I want to ask all of you before we end this uh, segment is what would be one piece of advice that you want to give to uh, students that are going through school or even residents or uh, for incoming students or prospective students that are looking into podiatry? What is one thing that all three of you would say or separately, um, something that you would want to give them as a piece of advice or, or, or tip going into this field or venturing into this field or what their future endeavors are within this field? I can give my uh, opinion. I, I think my biggest um, piece of advice that I, I try to give every uh, student, resident, and even, you know, fellows that go through my program um, is to, this probably sounds cliche, but to take every opportunity and take it to its fullest. Um, I don't think you appreciate as a student um, cadaver labs and, and journal clubs as much as you do when you're a resident. And then when you're a resident, you don't appreciate, you know, big, um, conferences and stuff until you become a fellow and then, you know, fellowship and on. I think one of the big things is when, you know, you have the opportunity to learn more, um, more than the books, you know, I, that's what I always push when the students rotate with me is, like, you know, put down your Crozier manuals. This is clinic now. So mm -hmm. this is your opportunity to take everything you've learned and put it into effect of how you want to treat a patient. And, you know, small things like, you know, cadaver labs where you go for, you know, um, a journal club and, you know, not making it a social hour or whatever. Um, I think it's very important to take every piece of um, educational opportunity and cherish it and, and drain it. You know, if you have a, a foot that you, you, you're you given for a, a lab for one little hammer toe implant, yeah. you know, stay in that extra 30 minutes and, and learning from the attending and, and, you know, those small things, they start to add up. Um, and, you know, if I, if I were to rewind my career, um, I wish I spent more time doing that stuff in the beginning uh, because it, it helps you in the next step of your life. Um, it helps you more when, you know, being comfortable with dissections and, you know, holding instruments and understanding anatomy, you know, it, there's, there's a big difference between the colored anatomy that you color in with colored pencils. And then when you actually cut open the leg, right. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, um, it's really important to, to focus in on those uh, little things and um, really take advantage of every opportunity that's free for you now. You know, like, you know, every limb that we get and stuff, that, that's money, 
right? But you get the opportunities when it's it's like going to a free concert and enjoying the music. You go to a, a free lab and you enjoy every little piece of uh, tips and uh, techniques and what you know people's experiences are. Um, and I think when you soak those in and, and keep it, you know, a little journal of everything that you've learned and then go back to that when you have that procedure coming up when you're shadowing Dr. Rosante and, oh, I went to a lab or, you know, someone did a, an implant and, you know, what did they say there? So when you get to Dr. Rosante's case, you have a little bit of background and, you know, oh, it's Dr. So-and-so um, did it a very similar way. That's really interesting that you both do that. Um, and I think that's that's my biggest uh, thing is just every everything that's given to you now as a student is an opportunity um, to take it because eventually those go away, mm-hmm. um, and then you know you're you're uh, you miss them, so you just don't want to miss those opportunities. Definitely. Um, I think for me, every level along the way, if you can find a way to make things better. Um, it's going to better you and better the profession. And it starts off as if you're a student and you're just shadowing um, or on a rotation where you don't get to do as much hands-on, offering to help the patient put their socks and shoes on to help them, you know, help the clinician go start working on a note, help the patient get out of the room to, as a resident, you know, help to make workflow better. Um, there's a lot of things that you're going to, in a lot of situations you'll encounter as a student and a resident where you're not going to be told what to do. And it's those people who then look to make the situation better, whether it's the clinic or the OR or notes that are the ones who are going to get noticed more. And then even out once you're in the profession, trying to make sure that it doesn't get stale and we teach the younger generation and we make sure that the experience for, for you guys is better than it was for us and that, you know, more than we do. Um, It's going to be better for, for everybody involved. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and mine is going to be the cliche of all cliches here, um, to round this out, but you know, I know your, your podcast here is called soul purpose, but literally that's mine is, is make sure that everything you're doing every single day is funneling down to whatever your purpose is and that it's absolutely okay for my purpose to be different than Dr. Rosante is different than Dr. Clarity's. I mean, for some people that purpose is going to be to have a lot of, a lot of notoriety within the profession um, and be one of the top people that's well known in the profession. And for somebody else, their purpose is going to be making a lot of money because they have to, because they have family needs that need supported. And for somebody else, their purpose is literally just to wake up every day and be happy to go to work. Um, and it's okay for all of us to have all of these different purposes, but just know whatever your purpose is and make sure that everything you do every day falls back on that. And when you have a really shitty day, that you remember what your purpose is. And I think that that carries you through good times and makes you proud of that purpose, but it also gets you through bad times too. Um, and so, you know, I guess my best piece of advice would be just be fiercely defensive of whatever that purpose is that you decide is yours. Yeah. And I think, I think that's all, all of those points are great. And all of those points are important for us as students or even as residents or even incoming students to take into account when we are making decisions in our lives and what we're doing uh, with our careers and where we are and at what point in our uh, careers we are. Because I think that it takes us and it makes us as better individuals, most importantly, but also as better physicians and giving back to the patients that walk into your clinic, like you guys mentioned earlier, and also being able to be examples to uh our com- counterparts in the in the community and on the field as well and i think that uh, being able to find your purpose being able to better yourself uh, being able to take advantage of the opportunities really goes a long way into making you who you are and i think that you guys really brought that out during these uh, couple segments and that helped me understand that and i hope that as listeners uh, you guys are able to take that away and understand that doing those things really set you apart, really set the field apart and really make a difference. I know it's difficult, it's challenging, uh, there's obstacles that come along the way, but there are people that went ahead of us. There are people that uh, are laying the foundation down like Dr. Rosante, Dr. Pat and Dr. Clarity. 
have and are doing thus far. And we, you know, take up that path and we walk down and we work hard. We put our effort in, we put our time in and we do our due diligence. And I think that will end up leading us uh, into better uh, futures and our, and, and we become more goal, goal oriented as we go forward. So thank you so much, Dr. Zante, Dr. Pat and Dr. Clarity uh, for coming on and sharing your experiences, sharing your journey uh, with me, with us and uh, hope to look forward to talking to you guys in the future and everything that you guys have in store. I wish you guys nothing but the best in your practices, uh, in, your, uh, in your clinic, and, and all the things that you guys are doing and all the things that you're giving back to the community, giving back to the students. And, and I can't wait to see um, you know, where residency takes me, but hopefully in the future I come back to the Northeast Ohio area whenever that may be and uh, be able to see what you guys are doing and the foundation you've laid and all the students that come through your private practices and, and, and all your education, educational opportunities that you guys have provided for the students as well. So thank you. Thank you for having us. Really thank you. It. Yeah. Definitely. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been really nice. I, I think that uh, I took a lot away from this and I hope the listeners have as well. So if you guys have any questions or any concerns or anything that you want to have addressed on this podcast, on any of these episodes, uh, DM us at Soul Purpose 20 on Instagram and, and ask away and we'll be able to be able to do that on these uh, episodes. And uh, right now we're having attendings come on and they have, a, they have great insight, great knowledge into the field of podiatry and they can really make a difference and really make an impact on, on your lives just as they are in our lives as students as well. So uh, tune in to the future episodes and tune into these episodes as well too and, and spread the word, spread the awareness and follow them on uh, Instagram as well as CLE Specialist as well and CMC Steps. And uh, you'll be able to see different kinds of procedures, in-office procedures, clinical work, and even uh, OR work and whatever that's going on within their practices, you'll be able to be aware of. So thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you so much for joining us today and hope you guys enjoy the rest of your day, guys. Thank you.